This is episode 16 with England fast bowler Stephen Finn. Welcome to the Process of Success podcast. My name is Tom Scolle. I'm a former professional cricketer with Middlesex County Cricket Club and the founder of Cricket Mentoring, an online cricket community that helps cricketers become their best. I created this podcast to share the personal stories, lessons and beliefs of cricketers of various ages and stages of success. Whether it's a retired test great, someone in the middle of their professional career or a young gun with big aspirations, I think there's so much power in each and every person's story and the lessons they've learned along the way that's got them to where they are. While I hope you enjoy listening to the interviews, I also hope you learn something from them to help you achieve great things both on and off the cricket field. Thanks a lot for listening. Now let's get into this episode. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, TechShot. TechShot is a brilliant training device for any batter. It's been designed to help batters improve their technique by getting instant feedback on their contact point. One of the biggest issues that I see in batting is players losing their front side and as a result they push their hands at the ball, causing them to lose both power and control of the shot. Not anymore. TechShot makes you keep your shape and hit the ball with a high elbow. Former Australian opening batsman and now batting coach at the National Performance Centre, Chris Rogers, has, de- has described it as an amazing tool as it's helping some of Australia's best cricketers use their shape more. To get yourself a device, head to www.techshotcricket.com and put in the coupon code CRICKETMENTORING, all capital letters with no spaces, to get a free training video that I made on how you can use it in your training. If you do purchase a device, please let me know how you go with it, as I'd love to hear your feedback. G'day legends, welcome to this episode of The Process of Success. If you're a cricket lover, then you would definitely know of Stephen Finn. Finn burst onto the international stage as a 20 year old in 2010 and quickly became the face of English cricket with lots of on-field success and a very likeable character to go with it. Since then, he's had his share of ups and downs. With 126 appearances for England across all formats, Finney has certainly had a successful career, but had it not been for injury or a loss of form at certain times, he could have played a lot more. With raw pace and steepling bounce, Finney is one of the world's best and scariest bowlers when he's at his best. As a former teammate who admired how Finney went about his business during my time at Middlesex, it was great to sit down with him and hear his story and the journey of how he got to where he is today. In this episode, we discussed how he got into cricket and who his mentors were when he was growing up. How he managed being at school while playing professionally for Middlesex as a teenager. How he made his way into the England Test side for the first time and what it was like playing with guys he had always admired and looked up to. How he dealt with injuries and disappointment over the course of his career. How he handles the pressure of a big match. What he's seen in the world's best players that separates them from the rest, plus a whole lot more. This is a great insight into someone who has been in the spotlight of international cricket for a long time and is now fighting to find a way back to the highest level. So let's get into this episode. G'day guys and welcome to this episode of The Process of Success. I'm here with England and Middlesex fast bowler Stephen Finn. Finney, thanks for joining me. Pleasure. Uh, For those of you that don't know Finney's stats, he's played 36 tests with 125 wickets, 69 one-day internationals and 21 2020s and 147 first-class matches. 
Now, Finney, to start with, how did you get into cricket? You were born in Watford. Did you play from a young age or how did you first get into cricket? I, um, I, grew, I like my family's a cricket family, so grew up with dad playing, me being pushed around in a pram at the cricket club and just picked it up along the way. Like my mum did the teas and we spent all our time at the cricket club when I was a youngster and I loved the environment, loved playing cricket with my mates and that's what made me fall in love with the game. So your dad was a cricketer? Yeah, he played like minor counties cricket and good level club cricket. Um, and yeah, it was more the atmosphere at the cricket club that I fell in love with and then and then as I got older and got a bit better I fell in love with the game even more. And what cricket club was that? Uh, Watford Town Cricket Club is where my dad played and then Langlebury is where when I was eight I started playing um, just again every weekend midweek with my mates um, and it just sort of grew from there. So that was your first um, where you started to play competitively and were you always obviously you're tall and it, it's good for fast one but you're always a quick bowler from the very start? Yeah always always quickish medium pace um, but yeah I, I always knew that I wanted to be a fast bowler my idol was Glenn McGraw and I watched him a lot on the TV when I was young um, especially Ashes series and World Cups and stuff so um, yeah I sort of knew that I always wanted to be a fast bowler and then as soon as um, as soon as I was old enough I wanted to play and be out there. And at what age did you realise that you were pretty good and, and wanted to take it more seriously and maybe have it as a profession? Um, still not until I was about 14 or 15 I wouldn't say I think um, like I played representative stuff for Hertfordshire um, until I was 14 years old but it's then when I sort of started getting picked up by Middlesex that I realised that it could be something um, Spent a couple of winters training with the academy when I was, um, I think, 13 and 14. Um, and then, and yeah, realised that it was something I wanted to try and pursue and, and make a career of. And at that at that time when you started with Middlesex, did you have some coaches that were you were fond of or some mentor, excuse me, some mentors that you still go back to now? Um, not necessarily. I think that then it was about finding out what your style of bowling is or what makes you good. I think that at that age it's important that you work out the style of bowler or the sort of bowler that you want to be um, and work towards that rather than someone else shaping that opinion so I had coaches who were there but I always knew that I wanted to be a fast bowler who bowled as quick as I possibly could um, and that's sort of the basic blueprint of what I've tried to do since since that age. Awesome and then how did you transition it from Hertfordshire to Middlesex was it just through playing county games or? Um, no, it ended a bit sorely really. Um, Hertfordshire tried to stop me moving to Middlesex so that I could play for the Hertfordshire under 15s as opposed to be exposed to a lot better coaches um, and stuff in the Middlesex setup. So I think Toby Radford, who was the academy director for Middlesex at the time, who eventually became first team coach at Middlesex, um, he approached me when I was 13 or 14 to come and be a part of the Middlesex Academy to train on a Tuesday and a Thursday night with them. Um, and that's really where I had my first real exposure to the professional side of the game as opposed to the um, the casual, fun-loving fun side of the game. So then you made your first class to move from Middlesex at the age of 16. How did you, firstly, how did you manage school and playing professional cricket? And what are your memories from that first class debut? Um, I think that school was always the priority for me, even when I was that age and had started on my first contract when I turned 16 with Middlesex I didn't really ever neglect schoolwork because I never knew even at that age that I was going to be good enough to make a career out of it so 
Um, you know, you have the dreams and the aspirations of playing professional cricket and you give that everything when it's that time. But when it was time to work on my school stuff, I did that as well. So it's, it's important to have a healthy balance. And that's something that even as you go through your career, I think that having a healthy balance between cricket and something else is, is a good thing that helps you, you know, remain pretty level when it comes to dealing with success and failure, which um, I think you can get into yourself at an early age, you know, realising that cricket isn't the be-all and end-all. Like, yes, it's great to play it, but at that age, my schoolwork was important and, and I um, did as much as that as I, as I could. Um, and then my memories of playing that game, I didn't bowl that much. I don't think I only bowled 20 overs in the game, but I just remember enjoying it. I was a very different bowler then to what I am now. Um, and, and just being around guys, I played in a team that had test cricketers in, I think O.A. Shah, um, Ed Smith, Jamie Dalrymple were playing in that team. So um, there were some quite big names and it could have been quite um, daunting as a 16 year old, but luckily they were welcoming to me. Um, and. And yeah, it was just, it was good fun and going out there and showing those guys, especially what you could do, you know, who hadn't really seen me bowl before, apart from in the nets a few times. Um, I just tried to enjoy it and, and yeah, I have fond memories. Did you feel ready when you got selected or were you just a bit naive to maybe know? Yeah, I think naive. And again, I think that if you put too much importance on performing um, or put yourself under too much pressure, especially in situations like that, you'll never get the best out of yourself. So... Um, I think I was pretty relaxed, but again, I had a good support network around me, my parents, you know, the people that I was playing with, Billy Godwin, my best mate, was um, was playing in the same game with me and made the debut and made our debuts together. So, um, you know, having those people there um, and around keep you level and, and just help you enjoy it. And you've mentioned a few times having a balance and sort of not, I suppose, caring too much about it, but was that something that you've had all throughout your career or is that something you've learned as you've got older? No, I've definitely gone through phases, I think. I think when I first started playing international cricket um, and even for the first few years, I put myself under a lot of pressure um, and to go out there and perform and maybe didn't enjoy it as much as I potentially could have done. Um, but as I've got older, in all cricket that I play, I just try and enjoy it now um, and enjoy the challenge of going out there and trying to do your best against whoever you're playing against. Um, and if you can enjoy it and have fun, I feel that that's a far better way to get more out of yourself than put yourself under pressure. But it's different for everyone, but you have to work out what works for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Self-awareness is something I think all the best players have and work out what works best for them. Now, you then um, went on and played for the England under-19s. How did that go about, come about? And was that on the back of, your, obviously, your first-class debut and doing well for Middlesex? Yeah, I think I was lucky to have been involved in the England setup from about... 13, 12, 13 with the regional stuff and then moving through to England under 15s. Um, and I think I, I played quite early when I was 17 um, and I, I didn't play when I was 18 or 19 really because I was lucky enough to be playing first class cricket. So um, again, it was just a, a new experience playing with guys who are two years older than you, two years stronger than you. Um, is a really good experience to, to have when you're a young cricketer and I think that I've always felt that playing men's cricket when I was young and then playing age groups up in uh, age group cricket is something that helped me develop quicker because I was playing against people who weren't bothered about the pace that I was bowling, um, who weren't bothered about um, anything else. They were more physically imposing than I was and you had to find a way to survive, which I think is something that as you go through your career, you, you're put in that situation a lot um, and you have to learn how to deal with them.
Absolutely. And now out of 19s, you, you made your test debut pretty quickly after that, the age of 20 in um, Bangladesh, against Bangladesh in Chittagong. How was that experience? Um, again, I was, I was called up as like a late replacement for Ryan Sidebottom, I think. So I went over there straight from a Lions tour in Dubai, who that was my first Lions tour. So I was still very new to the environment um, at that level. I think I flew into Bangladesh and then played the next day in a three-day warm-up game and Andy Flair liked what he saw and decided to leapfrog me over the guys who'd been there preparing for the series for a while into that first test and again it all happened so quickly so that I didn't really have a grasp of what was going on that I was making my international test debut at a young age. I just went out there and tried to run in as hard as I could, bowl as quick as I could, remember those things that I thought about when I was a youngster um, and try and have as much fun and enjoy it as much as I could. I was playing in a team with Peterson, Collingwood, um, Cook, Broad, guys who I'd watched on the TV and never met before and then all of a sudden I was playing cricket with them. So it was it was a awesome experience um, but I think that just going out there and trying to enjoy it was, was my overriding thing. Awesome and did you continue that enjoyment? You obviously did well and you became sort of the face, the young face of English cricket f- for a long time there. And- was it something that you enjoyed or did that cause you to feel an added pressure from, from doing well at the start and at a young age? Um, I, I don't really know, to be honest. I don't feel like it affected me. Um, but again, you, you're always under pressure with the media scrutiny, regardless of who you are um, when you're playing international cricket. And ultimately, they will always find something to pick at I suppose I don't think anyone's ever perfect and everyone uh, even the best players in the world have flaws and have areas to work on in their game it just happens to be that in international cricket people pick up on that Um, so yeah maybe there was a period there where I listened too much to what the bowler that other people thought I should be as opposed to the bowler that I knew I could be Um, which then makes you go searching for other things which is probably where along the way if I have lost my way that's probably where it's been. Okay, interesting. Now, just getting into your mindset, mindset and habits a bit, have you done any form of mental conditioning to, throughout the, your career so far? Um, I, not really, no, because I've, I've always felt that it's important to try and deal with the situation as it comes and, and not be too regimented in the way that you deal with it. Um, I have used psychologists before, but it's more to get me in a frame of mind where I'm happy with everything in my life um, and comfortable about going out there. Um, I think the one thing that I try my best to do is use nerves in a positive way rather than a negative way. Um, I think that everyone gets nervous before they go out there and play or perform. Um, And it can be viewed one of two ways. You can either look at it as a negative thing that's going to weigh you down and feel the pressure of having to go out there and perform or use your nerves in a good way to say that this is a way of making me feel alive um, and using it as a buzz to go out there and use it as an excitement thing to go out there and and show people what you can do which I think is the best way you can possibly spin that. Um, So is that a story you've sort of had to tell yourself or that's something that you've just done from the start? No it's something that I've had to teach myself to do. Um, I think that especially recently I've, I've got a lot better at using the nerves in a positive way um, and I think that comes with age and I think that comes with experience and realisation of what's actually going on. But when you feel them, um, you have a decision make to make. You're at a crossroads rather than letting them 
take the natural course, which I think for a lot of people would be a negative thing. Um, I think if you can, you know, consciously take those thoughts and nerves and use them in a positive way to say, again, like this is something that makes me feel alive and makes me excited to go out there and perform, then I think it can be a really good thing. Absolutely. And that's something that we get questions about all the time is young players trying to learn how to deal with nerves. And I think just by changing that story, I think has a massive impact on how you feel and how you approach it. It's important, yeah. Um, now, as a, as a batting coach, I talk to my players a bit about having a pre-ball routine to try and switch themselves on. I don't know a thing about fast bowling, but do you have a pre-ball routine at all? Do you sort of say something as you're turning and you're at the top of your mark, or do you focus on a certain thing? Um, I have very basic checkpoints, um, which is the, the smoothness of my run-up, which when I've not been in form in whatever kind of cricket it is, my run-up isn't that smooth, so that's something that I work quite hard on. Um, and and I try and keep my left arm, my left elbow as close to my left hip as possible, so that means you're coming straight over the top, and then following through down the wicket. So, so that's in your delivery In stroke. my delivery, so like pulling like your front arm high and then into your hip, which... And are you consciously focusing on that? Not really, it's something that I focus a lot on in practice, um, but in a game, sometimes, if... Um, if you feel it's necessary, I, I will go back to that um, as a checkpoint. Um, and I do have a pre-ball routine, but it's, it's, it's more of a distraction thing rather than, um, than anything else. Um, as I'm turning, I'll look at certain things that I've pinpointed at whatever stage in the day, whether it's in the crowd, a boundary board or something. And I find that that just helps me forget about everything else that's going on around me and just focus on what I'm about to do, um, you know, as I'm turning. Um, uh, yeah, I think that having a pre-ball routine as a fast bowler is important, especially with the way that one-day cricket's going at the moment because your mind can be racing at a million miles an hour when you're trying to deal with the situation of a batsman in front of you trying to smash you out of the park or having already smashed you out of the park. Uh, and with the next ball being the most important thing, it's almost like, drawing a line under the ball you've last bowled and moving on to the next one. So, um, yeah, I do I do have a routine that is probably, it could potentially be more complicated than I made it sound there, but as a basic guideline, it's just trying to focus your mind in your turn before you start your run-up on what you're about to do. Yeah, and then whether you've bowled a good ball or not, or didn't execute as well as you would have liked, do you then have a post-ball analysis or a post-ball routine or do you just try and switch off and relax? I think or? it's switch off. I think that if you analyze what you've just delivered too much, um, I think you can get yourself in a circle. You see a lot of bowlers overcorrecting. Um, if they've missed a Yorker short, the next one will be fuller, or if they've missed their line straight, the next one will be wider, and it's like a overcompensation. So I think that drawing a line under the last ball and, and literally just focusing on delivering your skill in the next ball, um, rather than thinking about what went wrong in the last ball is the most important thing. So even if you haven't executed, you've made a mistake, something that a lot of kids struggle with is overcoming a mistake quite quickly. Is that something you've always been able to do or it's something you've had to work on over time? Um, again, it, it sort of depends on what sort of rhythm you're in. If, you're, if you've made a execution mistake um, and you feel in good rhythm, you feel like you can just come back from it. I think there's a lot of different caveats to bowling where there are different conditions, footholds, balls, batsmen that, that can throw you off. Um, so I think that having, um, I've lost my train of thought there, but I think it's, it's a very basic 
thing of drawing a line under the last ball and moving on to the next one when you're dealing with things like that is the most important thing. Let's take a break from Finney for a minute and go back to our last episode with Sussex County Cricket Club captain and wicketkeeper Ben Brown. I think I was an unusual three for Murray Goodwin, <laughs> who played in a different era to me. I was going and playing shots, scoring at a runner ball. <laughs> so yeah, I think he was a bit confused, but no, it was, it was a good time, but it's probably the first time I really learned that actually there's a lot of anxiety around cricket. Mm. I also, I mentioned Murray Goodwin. I, I remember being in a team, I looked at him, I thought I was so jealous of him. I thought it must be so easy for him to turn up. He averages 55 every year. He must be so happy and relaxed for a game. And then I got in the team and saw Muscles full of anxiety, nerves, pressure, he's training hard, he's worried about the game, he's talking about conditions, how are we going to... And I suddenly realised, I was like, wow, ev everyone... Normal. Is, yeah, and, and everyone in the team was nervous. Because you just think, I can't admit I'm nervous, you know, I, everyone's going to laugh or think, oh, kids nowhere. The whole team were nervous. And I started to realise that everyone has the same feelings for a game. And it's something that really helped me relax, because I just thought, well, the whole opposition must be feeling the same. And it's often something I talk to young guys coming in now and they're making debuts or early in their career, I said, just remember, whatever stage of the opposition's career they're at, they'll be nervous, they have pressure, you know. There's a senior bowler bowling at a young batter. The young batter can easily feel pressure, but the senior bowler should actually feel, well, I, I should get him out, I'm the senior guy. So mm. I try to pass that on, because I think it's an important message. Mm. You should feel nervous for a game, because if you want it and you want to do well, I think it's a natural feeling. Now let's get back to Finney. And now, how, how do you go about preparing for different formats? Obviously, the game's progressed over the last um, 13 years since you started. There's a lot more 2020 cricket. How do you prepare differently from, say, first-class cricket to 2020 or, or one-day cricket? Um, I think that, well, all three formats have different basic principles. I think that first-class cricket is about smashing a good length on the top of off stump. Um, so in your build-up to a game your preparation for a game that's the thing that you will focus on the most um, I think that with one day in 2020 cricket that variations and the ability to bowl in different periods of the game um, are the most important thing so in the build-up to the game I'll make sure that I practice my whole set of skills um, whether it be a Yorker bouncer off cutter leg cutter back of the hand slow or whatever it may be that in the build-up to those games, um, especially the days before, that I will feel as I have those bases covered um, and I won't really stop practising until I feel as I have those nailed. And then on the day of the game, I think that it's trusting that preparation that you've done in the, in the days before. So I try and do a lot less on a game day in terms of bowling prep um, to save myself physically, to be as explosive and as quick as I possibly can out there in the middle um, and then I think in all three formats for me my job is to take wickets um, if I'm focusing on anything else then I'm probably doing myself and the team a disservice so um, being able to know that you've got those sets of skills that you've practiced in the build-up to the game um, is important but then when you're on the day of the game um, you have to tailor your bowling to get wickets to any conditions um, so if it's a slow stoppy wicket, bowling cross seamers and and uh, cutters is going to be the most effective way. So I think it's assessing those conditions on the day of the game, regardless of the format. Again, for me to take wickets is, is the thing that you have to do the quickest. Uh, and I think that's what the best bowlers do. Yeah. And so do you have any mental differences from format to format? Like if it's four day cricket, do you, you're obviously more patient, even though you're still trying to take wickets as regularly as possible. And 
2023 you're sort of preparing to maybe get hit and stuff or it's just something you've with comes with experience um i think that trying to be aggressive is important and especially for a fast bowler in any format i think that and by aggressive i don't mean bowling bounces and getting it flying through people's um past people's ears i think that it's important that you have aggression in hitting whatever length you choose to bowl um and i think that Patience is important in all three formats of the game because ultimately in T20 and one day cricket, people can hit what you perceive to be your best ball for six. And if you've executed what you wanted to do, accepting that a batsman can play a good shot and do that to you is almost the biggest skill. Um, and then having the patience to be able to run up and try it again or having um, you know, having the guts to go and try it again, I think is in one day in 2020 cricket very important. Yeah, awesome. Now, how do you, how do you handle the pressure of playing in a big match? Obviously, your big matches are test matches or packed out twenty twenties. But for younger players who might be a final or, or they've got some a selector watching, what are some sort of skills or what things do you do to handle the big matches? I think remembering that the reason you've performed well up to that point to get to a final or to have a selector watching or something, um, realizing that that what you've done up to that point is good enough and that searching for other things in the build-up to your big day um, isn't going to help you go out there and perform at your best. Um, so I think, again, I've been guilty in the past of listening to people and, and trying to be a bowler that I'm not. Um, and I think it's important that you retain the things that make you you, um, especially when you're under pressure um, or when you could potentially be under pressure because ultimately the skills that you've practiced over the last number of years months whatever are the things that you've got you to where you are and if you continue doing those then they'll stand you in good stead yeah absolutely now fast bowling is incredibly hard on the body as you more than anyone know you've had your fair share of injuries including um leaving the most recent ashes tour um early how have you dealt with the injuries throughout your career and the dark times that sort of come with those injuries um, I think you've got to be quite pragmatic about it and and again you have to take as many positive things out of it as you possibly can um, I think that there have been I've been very fortunate to have seven or eight years pretty much um, untouched by injuries in the professional game um, having missed a month here and there um, and it not being you know not missing out on too much um, and recently have probably been my worst injury problems with my with my knee and, and it reoccurring and stuff so I think that using it positively to go into other parts of your life to to develop other parts of your life is important um, and I think that also knowing that it's giving the rest of your body a break and a, and a chance to freshen up so your back your shoulders your ankles everything is not having that load put through it so um, yeah, you're in a rubbish situation that you can't play um, and you can't do too much, um, but using it to develop other areas of your body or other areas of your life is, is a good thing and, and a way that can prolong your career. You know, these six months that you have out now, you can add on at the end of your career um, if you use the periods of rest and periods of inactivity correctly. So it's trying to find the positives in the in the tough situation. Yeah, I'd say so. I think that if you focus on the negative things in in everything, whether you be performing or whether it be your injuries or or anything in your life, I think that that it can weigh you down and it can 
Um, it can you know really affect your recovery, especially from an injury. The psychological part of coming back from an injury can affect your recovery. So I think that remaining pragmatic about it and, and using the best of the situation is probably the most important thing. And so having played a lot of international cricket over the last 10 years or so, what are some common traits you've noticed amongst the world's best players? I think their hunger to improve, probably, um, with Joss Butler being the English example of that. Um, always knowing that he has freaky talent, but always wanting to improve that and practicing hard to achieve that, whether that be physically or skills. Um, you know, seeing him practice is like watching nothing else. You know, he pushes himself to the limits in practice to make sure that when he goes out there, he's prepared to perform in the toughest environment. And I think that's why this summer, especially, we're seeing him perform in test cricket one day and T20 having successful IPL, being renowned as one of the best one day batsmen in the world. Um, even though he does have that tag and he's been a genius since I first watched him play, he still has that hunger and desire to improve. So I think that yeah, the best players in the world will never be satisfied with what they got. They will always look to improve and adapt their game to, to deal with the changing climate of, you know, one day cricket and T20 cricket is moving at such a pace. If you don't keep up with it, you'll be left behind. Mm, absolutely. Now, how do you switch off from cricket? You obviously mentioned earlier about having balance. What do you do these days to get balance in your life and, and switch off from the game? I'm very lucky that I live in London, which is one of the best, most exciting cities in the world. So just going out and, and doing things and escaping your or letting your mind escape from cricket and the stress of cricket which is something that at times I've struggled with in my career I think that as I've got older I've realized how important it is to to not sit at home thinking about what your wrist's doing or, or where you are on the crease and things because it can consume you and it can make you very mentally fatigued when it comes to performing I think that having that having that thing outside whether it be just being able to get on the tube and go and escape and walk along the river thames or something as basic as that it can just escape your mind from the presses of playing cricket um i'm like any other typical bloke i like playing playstation um i like reading books um it's very you know very basic things but just that give you a few hours escape from thinking about the game because as it is my job naturally you think about it a lot um, and think about how you want to improve because you always have that desire to improve it's almost the hardest thing is allowing yourself that time away from the game and, and saying that you shouldn't feel guilty if you are giving yourself that time away from the game that ultimately it will be helping you get better awesome and uh you've recently been the middlesex uh, one day captain um but ever since i was at middlesex you're always a leader what, what do you think are some of the most important traits as a leader I think understanding the people that you've got in your dressing room and how to get the best out of them is important because um, you've got 10 different guys in that dressing room who respond to different styles of management. So I'd say realising pretty early how to speak to people to get the best out of them, um, whether that's an arm around their shoulder, whether some people do need to be fired up and told to get into a battle and, and get angry with someone to get the best out of themselves. And we see that in international cricket a lot with um, with people's approaches to that. So I think that a good captain will realise and understand the language that he needs to use with those people. Um, and I think that preparation is important with captaincy. Um, with Middlesex, I was fortunate that our analysts will send us an email 
two days out from the game with the areas that people score, with the bowlers that people struggle against, strike rates against certain bowlers and just doing your homework, which is a lot easier in professional cricket um, than it is in, in club cricket or anything. But typically you will come again, up against people that you've played against before and it's just remembering the matchups that that will work well against any other player, um, especially from a fielding, bowling, um, tactical perspective. And whilst you're out there on the pitch, just having that knowledge that you've done your research, um, you know, it keeps you calm out there when you've got to make decisions. Nice one. Now, final few questions. Um, having had a long career, you've had the odd period of, of tough times. Um, how would you advise a young player to overcome or get through a, a tough period where the results maybe aren't going their way? I think it's important to have a reference point of you at your absolute best. Um, and I use videos of me bowling in 2010 to always go back to, to make myself, A, remember what it felt like then. Um, and you can always, if you watch videos, you tend to be able to take yourself back to the time that you were playing in that moment and remember what it felt like. I think that that's important. Um, I think that technically that's important as well to realise, to be able to match up from the same angles your, as a bowler, your action then and your action now, um, and, and look at the differences and, and just have that reference point of you at your best. Um, and I think that, again, it's easy to fo focus on the negative aspect of performing. Um, and as cricketers, you do fail a lot more than you succeed, which is something <laughs> psychologically that's very hard to deal with as a cricketer. Um, but I think that just remembering or, or whenever you do well, writing down or just having a mental checkpoint or a note of what it felt like to do well um, and what it felt like whilst you're out there and just always trying to revert back to that um, and, remember, and just remember what it felt like and, and try and A, recreate that and B, tell yourself that you're capable of doing it and you will do it again. Nice one. Now, you're, you're 29, you've still got a lot of cricket ahead of you, but what does your future after cricket hold, do you reckon? Um, something that I've thought about a bit recently um, I'd love to stay involved in the game in some capacity I'm not entirely sure what yet whether that involves doing my coaching badges or, or something a little bit different but I'm lucky that I love cricket um, You know, I want to play for a considerable amount of time yet but it would be sad that once I finished my cricket career that I didn't stay within the game in some capacity um, I have a couple of other interests outside of cricket, um, more of a um, executive coaching sort of role is something that potentially could interest me. But again, I, you, um, you need to have experience in that field to do it. So it's just remaining pragmatic about the last however many years I've got left, um, you know, wanting to stay within the game in some capacity, but, but not really knowing how, how yet. Well, hopefully it's a long way off. But last few questions I ask all of our guests is, What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um, I think the best advice that I've received is probably that when you go out there, it's an opportunity to show off what you can do. Um, and I think that putting a positive angle on everything that you do is very important. And I think that when you step out onto the cricket pitch, you train, you practice, you push yourself to your limits in practice to practice things. It would be a shame if you didn't go out there and do those things or try those things in the middle and show what you can do. So, um, yeah, I think that once you've prepared and once you feel like you're ready to go out there and perform, it's just about enjoying it and showing off. And I think that that's, that's an important way to get the best out of yourself. That allows you to play with freedom, doesn't it? 
Um, what's your definition of success? Um, I think success is, it'd be easy to look at numbers and statistics and to me they're important, but I think that success is knowing that you've gone out there and you've given everything you possibly could. And even if you failed, you prepared as well as you could. Um, you went out there and you gave it your absolute best shot. You didn't hold back and you committed to everything that you did. And if you can walk off the pitch feeling like that, whether you've won, lost, gone round the park, took seven for, if you can look at yourself in the mirror and say that I gave it absolutely everything and I left nothing in the dressing room whatsoever, then to me, that, that is success. Absolutely. And finally, why do you play cricket? Um, I play cricket because I love it. I play cricket because it's something that I grew up with. Um, I always dreamt when I was younger that I'd be a cricketer and I'm lucky enough to be living my dream playing for a club that I really enjoy playing for with a bunch of blokes that I really enjoy playing with. Um, I think that it, cricket wouldn't be the game it is without the camaraderie that you have with your teammates and, and I think that that's one of the main reasons I play cricket to to go out there and do my best for them and then when you do do well as a team you share that success and, and there's no better feeling than sitting in the dressing room at the end of a game whichever format it is having won with your 10 people that you've played cricket with you know blood sweat whatever over the last number of days that feeling I think you'll struggle to recreate that in anything that you do um, and it's something that every time we manage to do it as a team we try and savour. Absolutely. Finney, this has been awesome. Pleasure. Thanks so much for your time. All right. Well, legends, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Finney. No matter what happens in the rest of his career, Stephen Finn will be remembered as a great fast bowler. He achieved so many big things in the game at a very young age that his cricket resume is stacked with achievements, but there's still room for plenty more. With a burning hunger to keep doing well and a belief that he still has plenty of good bowling ahead of him, I have no doubt that he would be ruining batsmen's careers for a while yet. I loved hearing how he always tries to look at the positives in any situation and it's this optimism that gives him a good balance in other areas of his life away from cricket. If you enjoyed it or learnt something, then please remember to share it with your friends and on your social media pages. Remember to tag me at Skulls5 as I'd love to hear your thoughts and also share it with Finney on at Steve on Instagram. Also, please subscribe to our YouTube channel Cricket Mentoring, where there will be a video of this interview. Thanks again for giving up your time and your busy life to join me for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, learned something from it, and realised that anything is possible if you put in the work. You could be the next Stephen Finn if you want to be. Now it's time to go out and get it done, legends.